Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, as Pastor Buster said, my name is Adam. I am the student and missions pastor, and we'd like to welcome you again this morning to Malvern Hill with us. If you have your Bible, would you be turning to uh, Psalm 56? That's where we'll be uh, reading from this morning, and our sermon will be from. And while you're turning, I would also like to add that if you're visiting with us, we would uh, request that you visit our website, malvernhill.org. And on there, if you would do malvernhill.org slash connect, that would bring you to a page that allows you to fill out an online connection card. It enables us to get to know you a little bit, and the website will allow you to get to know us a little bit. So if you're visiting with us, um, please do that and uh, make uh, that opportunity available for us and for you. Hopefully by now you've turned to uh, Psalm 56. We're going to read the whole psalm and uh, pray, and we'll begin. Psalm 56. Verse 1 says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long. For they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? All day long, they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth. In anger, put down the peoples, O God. You have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in God whose word I, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Your vows are binding upon me, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that you have given us your word. We are grateful that we have such great promises of your deliverance, of your salvation, of your timely help. God, we know that we are just broken vessels. We know that we are broken people and we get afraid. And God, as we struggle through the times that we have in, the, in these recent days that we've lived in, Lord, help us to identify our fear. Help us to overcome our fear. Help us to live in the light and walk before you. Please bless all those who are attending this morning, those who are listening, wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. After six months of COVID-19 uncertainty, doubt, fear, frustration, finding hope, and then having hope squashed like a bug. I am tired. After three months of social and political unrest, I am tired. I have struggled, been angry, and I've been hurt. I've been broken for my brothers and sisters in Christ one day and then frustrated with them the next day. I needed something to make sense, relief to come from somewhere, but I couldn't find it. I wanted something to hold on to, somewhere I could plant my emotional and spiritual flag and say, finally, here is where I stand. But I couldn't find it. 
Then God happened. One morning I read Psalm 56 and nearly fell out of my chair. I had that washed over me sense of relief when I read verse 3 when it says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So simple and yet so absolute. I was afraid. I've prayed many things in recent months, but none about my fear. I've prayed and hadn't let go of what I had thought that I could fix. See, before that morning, before I said, God, there it is. I thought I just needed the right argument or the right answer to the questions. Instead of just trusting God with my heart and allowing him to show me how to deal with what was going on, I tried to fix both my heart and the world with an argument. I thought if I could just get the right set of facts and form them into a thought and deliver them that it would be okay and that I would be okay. But it wasn't because I didn't know I was afraid. Fear's a funny thing and recognize, recognizing that I was afraid changed everything. But it wasn't because I didn't know God or didn't trust him. It's because I didn't know what was wrong with me. So my question to you this morning is, is, what do you do when you're afraid? We're going to learn from Psalm 56 what David did in this account of, of his. What do you do when you're afraid? When you are afraid, verse 1 says, David says, I called out for grace. When you're afraid, you call out for grace. Now, what is grace? It's one of those church words that we use a lot. But if we don't define it, then, you know, some who may not have been in church long or some even who have been in church their whole lives may not really understand what grace is. But it's all over the Bible. That word grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the love and mercy of God because he desires that we have it. Not because we might think we deserve it or not because we do deserve it at all, but because God wants us to have his grace. It is the outflowing of God's love and care. And so when you call out for grace, you realize that you're making a sinner's request. Have you ever thought about that? When you call out to God and say, Lord, I need grace or I need mercy or I need understanding, you're, you're making that argument from a broken position. And grace is a sinner's request. Grace is the need of a broken vessel. See, strength is for the weak. Wisdom is for the unsure. Rest is for the tired and leading is for the lost. But grace is for the sinner. David's not asking for what he thinks he deserves. David is asking for what he knows he doesn't. David needs relief from his fear because David's not writing this psalm, as we'll see in a few minutes, on the backside of being delivered. David is right in the middle of his problem. And he says, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. Now, when you read the psalms, you're reading how the Old Testament people of God did faith in their time. You're reading how they dealt with the issues that they're going through. And David finds relief from his fear because David's living out his faith in everyday life. Grace wasn't just a part of the life of the Old Testament people or, or 
a part of the life of just Bible people. Grace is a part of our life. It's a part of the list of things that we need from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Grace through faith. Grace through trusting God. Sounds a whole lot like Psalm 56. See, God is a saving God, and he's always been a saving God. He's always endeavored towards the lives of those whom call upon him. So when you look at the problem of sin reconciled on the cross, you understand the severity of our problem and the great measure of grace. The cross gives you this great climactic picture of God's redemption story. And it's through the cross that God communicates the power of his gift. Grace is one of the most powerful gifts that you can receive. And the closer you get to the cross of Christ, the more amazing the gift gets. So why did David call? David called because, as it says in Psalm 56, he had a problem that was relentless. He fought all day long. He was oppressed. His enemies trampled on him, and he was attacked, and he was attacked by a proud people. There was no relief. There was constant oppression. David was powerless to push back. He was under the weight of a problem that was stronger than he was. And David's position paints the picture. See, to be trampled on, you have to be under something. The word oppression means to be squeezed, and to be squeezed, you have to be inside something. Proudly means arrogant, and that means high or elevated above. So it seems that David's enemies had them, had him right where they wanted him. David's answer to his position was the first call for grace. When you're afraid, you must run to the Lord and call out for grace. But how do you know if and when you're afraid? This is how I came to the understanding that verse 3 was of Psalm 56 and, that, and had that washing over moment when I realized that I was afraid. Here's how I did it. Because every time I got near a certain problem, or situation, I either fought it or I ran from it. You can ask Pastor Craig how, however many weeks that he and I would have conversations in his office and he would tell me that you need to quit being so angry or you need to calm down. And I would say, well, what's the answer? And he said, I don't know yet. <laughs> but I was upset. See, every time I got near the problem of COVID-19 or our social and political unrest, I got angry. And I either fought or I ran. See, God has blessed us with this the instinct. It's called fight or flight. And the way that you might know that you're afraid is when that instinct comes upon you. If there's something in your life that every time you get anywhere near it, you either fight it or run from it, then you're afraid of it. God doesn't give us these fears and these instincts for any reason. And, and we can debate after the church service, but fear being a liar is probably true in some cases, but most cases it's not true because fear, and when I see a rattlesnake and it tells me to be afraid, that's not lying to me at all. I should be afraid. See, fear can be a good thing. 
We have these instincts from God for a reason. And if, it, if you have this thing in your life that every time you get near it, you either fight or fl- run from it, then you might be afraid. David called out for grace. Grace in God's timing because that will take you from fear to faith. If you are saved by grace through faith, then God's grace is certainly power enough to handle your fears. David called. His answer was to trust God. His answer was to trust God based on God's word. Trust God with all of the outcomes. His answer was to trust God because God attentively and intimately cares. His answer was to trust God because of God's power. And his answer was to trust God because of his promises. When you're afraid, you call out for grace. But then number two this morning, you have to trust the Lord. David said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. What does trust mean? It means exercise may be the most powerful agent that you have living inside of you. That's a part of who you are. David was determined to trust God, even though his enemies sought to destroy him. See, trust is your decision. You decide what it is that you're going to choose to trust. Trust might be all you have at this very moment, along with the air in your lungs. At this second, the trust in your heart might be all that you possess right where you are right now. All that's really yours. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says that everything is a gift from God. But maybe the only thing that you have in this moment is the air in your lungs and the trust in your heart. Trust is a big deal. Trust is a declaration of where you're going to plant your flag, where you're going to fight from. It's the source of your power. So you have to learn what to do when you're afraid. You call out for grace. And when you encounter that thing that you either fight or run from, you decide to trust the Lord. For some this morning, maybe it isn't fear of the temporary that uh, has you. Maybe you're not scared of COVID-19 or the social and political unrest or what's going on at work or at home. Maybe that fear isn't what you're most afraid of. Maybe the temporary isn't your problem, but maybe the eternal fear is. Maybe trusting in God with what's going on in this world is not your most urgent need. Maybe it's your sin and your need to trust God to save you because you realize that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You realize that the wages of that sin is death and you realize that your sin weight is something you can't bear any longer and that trust is all you have. Will you call out to God to save you? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, with the heart one trusts, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then a couple of verses later in verse 13, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. See, you can't want Jesus and not get it. But you have to call. You see, like David, trusting in God requires a pre-commitment to God's word. David directly relates his trust in God to his word. From God's word and his experiences. See, all David had was his word and his experiences. And all David had of the Bible that we know is maybe the first five books of the Bible he called the Torah. 
But even in just those books, he realized the saving nature of God. In his own life, he realized it. The psalm title of this Psalm 56 tells us that it was written when David was seized by the Philistines at Gath. It's a story that comes to us from 1 Samuel chapter 21. At this point in David's life, let me give you a little context for when he's writing. At this point in David's life, David had been anointed by Samuel to be the next to be the king after Saul. David was chosen by God, so he had the right to call for his protection. David had fought a bear and a lion and then went and fought the giant Goliath. David, after fighting him, had been, you know, realized, everybody realized who he was. So Saul brought him into his inner circle and said, you know, you're going to be in charge of like my special forces. But David's anointing and David's presence and David's, you know, Saul knowing that he was going to be king caused Saul to turn on David. So Saul sought to kill him. Right there in in 1 Samuel 21, where David writes this song from, he had been let, he had been hidden and then let down out of a basket from his own home. He had run to Nob and to where God, uh, where the priests were, and he had run to Nob and then to Gath. Now think about this. David had killed the giant Goliath, right? He was a Philistine. He was from Gath. And David was so scared that that's where he went. That's being afraid. Trusting in God means trusting God with everything. Why would you run to your enemy's doorstep? Because you trust God with everything. David trusts God and he was determined to trust him but not just with his own outcome. He was determined to trust God with the outcome of his enemies. So we must, we must trust God with all the outcomes and all the opponents. And a a quick side note right here that comes from, you know, God's grace and your trust. You need both because now think about this. You might not be David in this verse. In your life, you might not be David. Someone else might be praying against you because you're the oppressor or you're the one standing over or you're the problem in somebody else's life. I had to come to grips with this when I read this passage that morning. I thought, whose problem might I be? I might not be David. Think about it like this. If you've ever been to Walmart and walk through Walmart, and then all of a sudden you saw somebody that you didn't want to see or didn't want to talk to, and you ducked behind an aisle or ducked behind some clothes or turned around and went the other way. You ducked somebody in Walmart. If you've ever done that, then somebody's likely have ducked you. Don't automatically assume that, you know, you're the one who's writing this psalm. Maybe you're the one this psalm is written against. And that's why you need both trust and God's grace because someone else might be David. And you might need God's grace and time to realize that you're the oppressor. You might need to say, Lord, help me or help me to see if I'm someone else's problem. David said, I will trust in God and I will not be afraid. What can flesh, what can man do to me? 
Pay attention to how David rolls through this succession. He says, in God, he founds his source. He said, whose word I praise. The way that he got to know his source was through his word. You will never get to a greater understanding of who God is outside of his word. You have to be in it to understand. He says, in God, I trust. All that I have to offer is my trust, and I put it in you, God. I will not be afraid. Then David asked the question of himself. He says, when I am afraid, I will trust. Then he says, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David gets, gives us the picture of what it means to trust God and to have faith in our weakness. See, it's possible to be both believing and unbelieving at the same time. We can be that man in the New Testament when Jesus says, that if you believe, and he says, I do believe Jesus, help my unbelief. See, as Christians, we walk around in broken bodies and see, it's kind of like you live in the twilight of the morning where it's still dark and you still see things that aren't there and you can still be afraid, but the longer that you wait, the lighter it gets. We live in the twilight of everything that God wants us to know and all we have to do is wait and trust. And everything just gets a little bit brighter. David says, they stir of strife, they lurk, they watch my steps. As they have waited for my life, for their crime will they escape. In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. See, David's fighting for nothing short of life itself. And David's making the declaration of God's sovereignty. He's trusting God with his own outcome and the outcome of everyone else. He's asking for God's wrath the outpouring of God's justice. When David says, save me, or when you save me, he's saying, see what just and righteousness look like because what would salvation look like apart from knowing what you're saved from? We have to remember that wrath is not a bad word if it's of God. My wrath might be bad. Your wrath might be bad. The wrath of countries and governments might be bad. But the wrath of God is just and pure and right. What would it mean to be saved if you didn't know what you were saved from? Call out for grace. Trust in the Lord. Because trust will take you from faith to thanksgiving. A gratitude for what God has done and will do again. And gratitude is what changes everything. If you want to be a better husband, be more grateful. If you want to be a better son or daughter, be more grateful. If you want to be a better mom, be more grateful. A better student, be more grateful. A better worker, be more grateful. Gratitude may fuel every other thing that you already want to be good at or better at. Gratitude changes everything. So this morning, you call out for grace, you trust in the Lord, and you be grateful. Trust yields gratitude knowing that God's word and experience, knowing that through deliverance, David shows us that how much God cares and what it means to be grateful. David shows us because he says you can count, of, you, take, you, keep, you have kept count, excuse me, of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Tossings. David was reckless with what's reckless. David was reckless. David was restless 
with what was going on. He was tossing. He, was, he had this indecision. But God kept up with what was going on with David and his inability to find out which way he should go. God was aware, aware enough to count, and not just a passing glance. He was, he was keeping a record of what was going on with David. There is a special place where God keeps our tears, a special place where he takes account of our difficulties. This picture is a God who cares so much that he counts every tear, and a picture of a believer with an open heart and an honest confession why should you be grateful? Because if you see the big picture, then you can get a hold of the promises of God. See, God is all-knowing. That means he doesn't need a book. He is all-powerful. He is perfect. But if we didn't have words in God's word that say he keeps count of my tears, he keeps them in a bottle, we wouldn't have the picture of care. If it just said God knows, or if it said God cares, we wouldn't realize the depth of understanding. So David goes further and says how God cares and illustrates it to us. David says, then my enemies will turn back on the day when I call. This I know that the Lord is for me and God whose word I praise and God whose word I pray and God whose word I trust I shall not be afraid what can man do to me David goes back to the battle and when he gets back to the battle he sounds the retreat for the enemy he declares the victor see I love it when we get those words that relate to outcome it says then in verse 9 if I can just make it from calling uh, for grace to trusting in God, to seeing the big picture of his care of every single aspect in every single corner of my heart, then I can make it. There's relief. God is for me. Thank God we have God's word that we can know him. David knew who God was and that his vows were binding. David claims God's promises because he could. He was the anointed king. He, call, he was called and he was ordained by God, and he had the right to call and expect God's protection. And so do you. You can make that same claim, the same promises are yours in Christ for all the promises it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. That is why through him we can utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus is our yes and our amen. David is grateful. He says, I will render, I will make thank offerings to you. In verse 12, for you have delivered my soul from death. David found his relief in his expressed gratitude. Now that's important. See, these are all things that you have to do. You have to actually call out for grace. Though God is all-knowing and though God is all-powerful and he has an absolute direct knowledge of everything about you, you have to express your dependence. You have to call out for grace. You have to see who he is and know that he cares and loves you. You have to 
want his care and you have to do things. You have to call, you have to trust. And David says you have to express gratitude. Gratitude must be expressed or you'll be like one of the nine lepers that Jesus talks about in Luke 17. In Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers who called out and asked for deliverance and asked for help. He heals 10 people and then says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And when they had turned and started on their way, they, be, they were healed right then. And one of them turns around and comes running back to Jesus and praises him for what he's done. And Jesus looks at the one and says, was there not 10 whom I healed? Where are the nine? See, you have to express gratitude because if you don't express gratitude, it can be seen as ingratitude, as you not being grateful. You have to do things and express your heart. You have to do faith. Gratitude must be expressed. I will call out for grace, David says. I will trust. I will be grateful in verse 13, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. So that the reason is given to us, the end, the whole understanding of what David really wants is to walk before God in front of him in his presence. Gratitude is your most powerful disposition because it acknowledges your need and God's supply. See, David hasn't been delivered. But even at this time, when David is struggling with what's going on, he's adding to his experiences and his faith is growing as he calls as he trusts and as he bows, as he claims God's promises and does so with a grateful heart. As he does these things, his faith is growing right there and his situation hasn't changed. He's still in the middle. He's still being trampled on. He's still being uh, oppressed. He's right in the middle of everything that's going on, but even in the middle of it, his faith is growing. Gratitude is your most powerful disposition because it acknowledges your need in God's supply. If you seek relief from fear, know that gratitude changes everything. We're going to wrap this up by asking this question. I want you to think about Psalm 56 and ask, did David get to where he wanted to go? Did he get there? Did he overcome? Was he delivered? And we know that the answer is no and yes. David says in verse 9, then my enemies will turn back. I have to call. I have to trust. I have to know God and his word to claim his promises. I have to express gratitude. Then my enemies will turn back. David got where he wanted to go, but it wasn't out of his problem that he realized maybe. Maybe it was inside himself he got to where he needed to go. See, I can relate. About two weeks ago, I was mad. I was mad at COVID, and I was mad at the social and political unrest. I was mad that I didn't have an answer for every question but I didn't know that I was afraid. David got where he wanted to go and ask yourself, is there another way that you might find relief except for trusting God? There's not. 
No is the answer. You can try it on your own, but overcoming fear and finding true relief will not come even if the problem is resolved. God could pick you up and drop you out of whatever situation you're in, and it would still be ongoing. You would still be responsible for whatever's going on. And guess what? You're still going to have to go back to it. Overcoming fear and finding relief only comes from an enduring hope in God, his care, his salvation, his care for you and your trust in him with all the outcomes. Only then will you find relief. My son Dean is pretty old now. He's like 11. That's old to me because, he, you know, when they're 11, they start getting tall. But when he wasn't so tall... A couple of years ago, he had a car, and, you know, he was a Transformer dude. When those Transformers came out, uh, he loved the Transformers. And one day, um, he brings me this toy car, and it's in pieces. And he says, Daddy, can you fix this? And, you know, with my most fatherly, fatherly voice and in my mind thinking, where's the glue and duct tape and, you know, all that stuff, how am I going to get this thing back together? I said, yes, absolutely, I can fix it. So he lays all these pieces on the table in front of me, and I say, okay, I got it. And I start, and I work for like 30 minutes, and I'm struggling with this thing. And then 30 minutes later, I realize that I'm missing some stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I use that, you know, big boy voice when you get mad at your kids. And you go, Dean. Dean turns around in the den and comes to where I'm at. And I called and I asked, I said, man, you know where the rest of the pieces are? He slid in his hand into his pocket and pulled out the missing pieces with his half smirk because he was amused that I couldn't get everything back together without, you know, half the stuff. But he slid his hand in his pocket, pulled out these missing pieces, and I says, Dean, I can't fix it unless you give it all to me. It's not going to work unless you give it all to me. Only then can I fix it. I sat him in my lap. I said, if you want me to fix it all, then you have to give it all to me. So where are you this morning? Have you talked with God and asked him to save you? Have you called because you need grace? Do you know that you are afraid? Are you going to trust? Are you all the way halfway or three quarters of the way through whatever's going on in your life and you're all, all the way at, at gratitude and you're thinking, well, I haven't shown God how thankful and grateful I am. As our musicians come, whatever expression of your heart you have this morning, God has an answer for you. Wherever you are in whatever difficulty, God has a solution. It may not be to get you out of where you are, but it may be just to make you right where you are. I'd love to pray for you.
wherever you are this morning. I'll stand over here out of the camera view. But if you need prayer, know that it's available. If you need God, he's always there. But there's a part of faith that you have to do. And you're going to stay stuck and frustrated and maybe angry or maybe hurt until you realize that there's only one way to fix where you are. It's trusting in Jesus and a God who can fix everything. Let me pray. Father, we are so very grateful that we have the promises of your word, all of them, Lord, we are grateful that we find our yes and our amen in Christ. And we are thankful that even this morning with every single heart here and every eye closed, that whatever expression is coming out of every individual, you hear them all because you are that big and you are that loving and you are that good. And Lord, even though, even as we know that you hear our prayers, we know that the fact that you hear us calling out and asking to be saved came at such a high price, the price of your son. So God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know him, I do pray that they would know that that is the one and only name that saves, that there's one name giving among men. And Lord, for whatever's going on in each and every heart, I pray, Lord, that you would show them grace, teach them trust, and help them to express their gratitude for all that you are. In Christ's name, amen.